on today's show, grading the Philadelphia 76ers trade return for James Harden. Victor Wimanyama absolutely dominant in the early going for the San Antonio Spurs. Plus, the Golden State Warriors finding a way to win once again on the road after their struggles away from home last season. It's all coming up right here at Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your very first purchase. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making Locked On NBA part of your day every single day. Joining us now is our newest host over at Locked On Sixers, John Mitchell. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked On Sixers. And John, the 76ers, despite all the offseason drama, everything in the lead up to James Harden's departure, they finally make the trade happen. James Harden uh, and P.J. Tucker being moved to the Los Angeles Clippers. In return, the 76ers receiving Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, K.J. Martin, uh, a 20 2026 and a 2028 first round draft pick as well as a couple second rounders and a pick swap in return for James Harden and PJ Tucker. So initial thoughts on just how the 76ers kind of escaped this this situation with what seems like on the surface a pretty decent return all things considered given their distinct lack of leverage let's say in these negotiations with James Harden demanding a trade. Yeah, yeah, Jack, first of all, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think that it's uh, it, this works out well for the 76ers. I mean, James Harden had already said that I'm, you know, I'm I'm not going to play for, for Dow Moore. You know, that was that was his line in the sand. Um, and, and to be quite honest, a lot of people around here were like, you know what? You know, when we saw you last year in game six and seven against the Boston Celtics, he averaged 11 points per game. He shot 26 percent from the floor against the Boston Celtics and you lost game seven by about 30 points. So, you know, they were I think they were glad to move on from Harden because the feeling around here is that, you know, with Harden, the Sixers get back to the second round. Um, if you look at the Sixers now, they, you know, Nick Nurse now has the latitude to coach players who are more so in his style. Uh, James Harden was a, as good as he is. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's a guy who just deflates the basketball. You know, he gets down there, and, and, and I think you'll see that again when he goes to the Clippers. He pounds, 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 pounds the ball, and there's no ball movement. And that was good in uh, 2000, 2010, but it just no longer works in today's NBA. You know, they like what they acquired. I think what they really like is the possibility to have $60 million plus in cap space uh, this summer because, you know, you, you've constantly heard, you know, uh, uh, Joel Embiid is going to wind up in New York. He's going to wind up anywhere. And he kind of lit the fuse when he said, you know, um, I want to win a championship with the Sixers or somewhere else. So that's really, you know, I mean, he's not mincing words. He's letting you know that you guys are on the clock. You guys got to get me some talent. You got to bring some talent in here. Uh, I, I actually think that after the trade, I think with, you know, the addition of Kelly Oubre, I think now with Maxie not feeling like he has to defer to James Harden, because he, if you watched him last year, and I think that's what makes Maxie so good. He respects the game. He respects the people who are superstars and, and, and the legacy of players. But he, 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 you could see that he was holding, he was playing, he was holding himself back last year 
to defer to, to Harden. So I, I think they've, um, they're unbridled. And I, I didn't think there was going to be much excitement with the 76ers, but now I'm interested in seeing what they do. Tyrese, I mean, Maxie's really been sensational to start this season. Obviously, Joel Embiid looks like, you know, the reigning MVP. He's been dominant. But Tyrese Maxie really stepping up his game a little bit, you know, kind of a continuation from, from what we saw out of him last year. He's averaging 26, 5, and 7, basically, so far through these first five games. And what's crazy is actually the Sixers have four guys who are averaging 20 or more points per contest yeah. right now between Embiid, Maxie, Oubre, and Tobias Harris. So it's almost like this version of the Sixers, I don't know if they maybe took a look at how they started their season, like, you know what? Just wait. We'll, we'll take the pieces from the Clippers. And now they've got some complimentary pieces that maybe they can plug and play here with, with Covington, with KJ Martin. Who knows right. what's going to happen with Nicholas Batum with his whole I may want to retire situation going on now, um, seemingly out of nowhere. So whether or not he right. actually suits up and plays is kind of a different, different equation. But as it stands right now, John, one of the other rumors that we kind of heard, you know, in the, I guess, aftermath of this is, is the interest maybe in the 76ers pursuing uh, another big name, right? With some of the assets they got back from this James Harden trade. Cause this wasn't going to be the, the be in be all end all of the, the Harden deal, right? They Daryl Morey wants to take these assets from this trade and go out and get another player to probably pair with Joel and right. a couple of the names on the surface that have been mentioned, uh, Zach Levine, OJ Ananobi. We know Chicago's kind of there. That whole situation's, messy and then whether or not the Raptors want to be competitive this year who knows OG's been in rumors for a while give me some thoughts on those two guys and how each of them might fit in with the Sixers team and if you have a preference between those two guys you know to see the Sixers maybe pursue one of them yeah I've always been a fan of Zach Levine's you know and 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 Ananobi is uh you know he's a big guy who can who can shoot the three he's more at he he's he's more athletic than anybody along the front line other than perhaps Joel Embiid uh you know, my feeling though is that if if, if you're the Sixers, which one you know w- w- those guys we bring up are all going to be free agents this summer. So my feeling is that why why trade for see what you have right now. You know, I mean, you know, we'll get to Christmas, we'll get to the All Star break, uh, we'll get to the trade deadline, and then if you if you're anxious to pull a trigger, if things are looking really good, and maybe you can get a Zach Levine in here. I, I, I would if, if I were to give those guys tears, I put Zach Levine in tier one. And Ananobi at tier two for the 76ers. Um, but yeah, I, when, when I hear those names, I'm is, like, is that be, if, if you don't mind me asking, John, is that because you feel like they need the 76ers need the scoring punch of a Zach Levine, or are you just putting them just in a vacuum as players, Zach Levine tier one, OG tier two? I, I like the punch. You know, I, I, I think this is an, this is a league now that has really gone to, it's really gone offensive. You know, you look at the numbers. Uh, and it's, you know, you, you got yourself a rim protector in Joel. Uh, I think if you give him somebody else who spreads the floor and somebody else who um, can be in that motion offense that Nick Nurse is running now, I, I think he has some really nice assets there. But again, if I'm the Sixers, you know, I, I, I play this year out and you say, hey, Joel, you know, you bring him in a room and say, who do you, who do you want? You know, and look at this free agent market. Unless there's something that pops up, like I've heard Donovan Mitchell's name pop up as a guy's potential trade. And if you can get Donovan Mitchell in here, that, that you know, he's that would be really special. So you know, I I, I think, and, and of course he's not going to be a free agent this summer. But if you can possibly do something to finagle him from Cleveland, and y- yeah, so, you, so you make that move. 
So potentially a fan of at least staying at Pat for now, seeing what the team has. Because look, there's this team looks really good so far this they season. I mean, really it's, it's an early sample size, but right now they are number four in defense. They're number five, I believe, in offense, if I don't have those numbers uh, flipped. Yeah, four in mm-hmm. defense, five in offense right now. So top five in both categories. They're the second best net rating in the NBA currently at plus 11.8 in their five games that they play. You lose the opening night game against the Bucks by one point. You could. This is a team that very easily could be five and zero undefeated yeah. at this point. Yeah, uh, they're showing a lot of promise. How impressed have you been with Nick Nurse and just kind of what you've seen out of this team and what he's done with this team so far this season? If you watch them, they look totally different from the way they looked under Doc. Doc is a uh, yeah, Doc is an old school coach. Doc I, stuck with the way things were done. You know, it was it, when you watch Sixers last year. It was screen and roll, screen and roll, screen and roll. They probably ran screen and roll more than any team in the league. And it, it was very effective because James Harden led the league in assists last year. And Joel Embiid obviously won, you know, won an MVP award. But with Nick Nurse, like, like last year, for instance, there was a lot of Tobias Harris standing off in a corner and spectating. Now you've got the guys averaging 20 points. He's shooting 65 60% from the field. Uh, Kelly Oubre has stepped into the office and looks completely comfortable. You know, I, I don't want to throw too many rose petals at these guys' feet right now, but you can clearly see uh, that Nick that they have adopted that they're, they're buying into Nick Nurse's Nick Nurse's coaching style. You can clearly see it. And what? You know, will... go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go go for it. And they've got they've got you know they're they're in the middle of this they're in the early stages of a home stretch right now where they can really make some hay. You know, and they've got two games of Boston during this stretch. So uh, I, I, really, I was I was down on what they did. When, you know, when it was another summer of drama. Ben Simmons one year summer, uh, James Harden the next. It's like what, what? There's a catastrophe every summer with this organization, and they've navigated to like you said, they're four and one. They're playing defense defense well. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid is leading the team with seven assists. So you know, what's not to like right now? Should this team ultimately stand pat before making any moves with the assets from the James Harden trade, or should they pursue one of those names that we mentioned, Zach Levine, OG Ananobi? You'll have us covered for all of that and so much more over at Locked On Sixers. John, I appreciate you stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Jack, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Coming up, Victor Wimbanyama has been absolutely dominant in the early part of the season for the San Antonio Spurs. Also, Devin Vassell's role as a leader on this Spurs team and the Jeremy Sohan at point guard experiment. It's all coming up in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're trying to buy tickets to your next big event. You're trying to go out and have a good time. Nobody wants to be stressed about how you're going to get the tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events happening near you. Look, I know that I've had some really bad experiences in the past with certain ticketing apps and websites, and it's always a pain. My least favorite is when you punch in all your information, you hit submit, and then for some reason it all erases, and then you got to try to punch it all in a second time. You don't deal with any of that with game time. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive at the venue. They've got all-in prices and show you your total up front, so you don't get all those hidden fees that get tacked on at the very end. They are obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They've got so many deals, last-minute ticket deals, flash deals, zone deals, so many things to take advantage of with Game Time. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for 
$20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Monday. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Joining us now is the host of Locked On Spurs, Jeff Garcia. You can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked On Spurs. And Jeff, it is Victor Wimbanyama's world, and we're all just living in it. He has been nothing short of incredible in his very, very short so far NBA tenure. But man, this past week, he's had some explosive games. The career high just in his fifth game, over 38 points against the Phoenix Suns, who had absolutely no answer for him over the course of that game. Walk us through kind of what you're seeing from Victor Wembanyama in the early stages of his NBA career so far. Yeah, I think what you're seeing now is a little bit more comfortability settling in uh, to start the season. Okay, fine. Give him a pass for the Dallas game, home opener loss, you know, saddle with foul trouble. But if you extrapolate that game and up into the Phoenix big game, it was quiet for three quarters, explosion fourth. Quiet for three quarters, explosion fourth. Which is fine. Okay, fine. You know, he's getting acclimated. But for me, I needed to see more consistency out of him. I need to see a little bit of everything, periods one through four. You're starting to see that now. Uh, I think that Phoenix game, uh, second game of that back-to-back set, that was the launching point for him uh, versus Toronto. You saw a little bit of everything in each quarter. None of that quiet thing. And then, no, we're waiting for that moment. We're waiting for that moment. You know, I, 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 I love those are fun to do, but. You got to win games and Wimby's going to be involved in every single minute of this, of the uh, four quarters of basketball. So you're starting to see it take over to that point. And I am happy about that. Uh, I think the issue now is still chemistry with his teammates. You saw in the Toronto overtime loss. How do you not go to him in OT? I believe they only gave him touches one or two times the entire OT period. That needs to change. This is a guy who, as of this recording, is one of the best guys in the clutch so far in this early season. I think he's among the likes of even Steph Curry in those final clutch moments. So you can't get more clutch than overtime, so why don't you just give him the ball? And the Spurs did not do that. I was there post-game versus Toronto, and uh, he told the media on hand that he still needs to prove himself to his coaches and his teammates. So... It seems to me that even he is seeing that he still has that adjustment period. He's getting uh, more acclimated with his teammates. Um, but so far, so great. I mean, this it's it's just Wimby mania in San Antonio. I mean, you were there recently. You you, you saw how, uh, how crazy it is right now for all things Wimby right now. It, what I like about him, though, is win or loss, he's very stable, He's not over-emotional. Even when you get big wins in Phoenix and beating a supposed top team in the West, he's still poised. We're in losses, poised. He's not getting overexcited. He's not, you know, you shouting out from the top of his lungs, we won, we beat Phoenix and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. I beat my idol. He's not doing that at all. So, yay, Wimby. And this is a 19-year-old. I sometimes have to tell myself when I'm in those media sessions with him, I'm about to talk to him, like, I'm talking to a teenager. I'm talking to a 19-year-old, and you feel like he's not that. Uh, so all Wimby, 24 hours in San Antonio, 24 hours in the NBA, basically, just to be honest. You know, it's just Wimby all the time. Um, 
What I need to see, though, is consistency out of him moving forward. I would like to see him get more vocal with his teammates. I would like to see him kind of say, you know what? Give me the bleeping ball. I need to see him take more initiative in that department. I would love to see him establish himself. Now, you know, I don't mean to step over your rundown because I know what it is, but Devin Vassell, <laughs> you know, he is the heart and soul, the leader of this team. He made it very clear day one media day. He is the leader. He wants to be the leader. He is that guy. You saw this team sputter versus Toronto without him. And I really thought that without Devin, your one, two, one of your one-two punches there, it would just be all wimpy. Just give him the ball. Give him the ball. No, 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 no. It was Kelvin Johnson step, stepped up 26 points in that overtime loss. Devin Vassell has really emerged in taking that big step in his NBA career. You're seeing it before your eyes, over my eyes, every single game. He added size over the offseason. He's absorbing contact better. It's he's he's having great statistical nights at 20 plus points so far. Was really the spearhead, one of the spearheads versus Phoenix and those two wins out at the footprint uh, arena. So you're I love it what I'm seeing. Dare I see so far a Batman Robin situation? The question is, who's the Batman right now? Is it Devin Vassell? And is just is Robin is Wimby? Because you know he, he the, the young warrior still needs to learn the ropes from a veteran like Devin Vassell, or is it just Wimby the Batman and Devin Vassell is the Robin? We don't know. I like to see how that's going to plan out. Those are definitely your one-two punches so far for San Antonio this season. It very much, first off, the Wimby mania is absolutely absurd. Like being there in person and seeing him play yeah. against the Rockets, you have to really see Victor in person to garner an appreciation for just how yeah. unique he is as a player yeah. and some of the things that he does on the basketball floor. And then you look at the fact that he's leading the Spurs in like every major statistical category except assists. Mm. He's averaging 20 and a half points. That's leading the Spurs, eight rebounds, team leader, 1.4 yeah. steals, 2.2 blocks, leading the team in all these different statistical categories. I'm mm -hmm. glad you cleared up, you know, the Devin Vassell's role because he is, you know, he's secure the bag this summer with San Antonio and I think that's kind of his de facto role as the leader of this team so from a talent perspective right you may make the argument yeah Wimby's more talented yeah. even right now than Vassell but he is still the leader of this team I am well, curious oh sorry go yeah. ahead Duff. go ahead Jeff. no no I was, gonna, I was say I spoke to an NBA scout recently and take a while guess while that person why that person was at the at the uh, frost bank for Wimby but in my conversation with the scout it wasn't about Wimby it was about Devin they were asking me about Devin who, you know, this is him. So he's catching NBA scouts eyes right now. You know, obviously, you know, there are some even there in Toronto, all looking at Wimby. But, you know, it's not surprising for me when I see NBA scouts at the at the Frostbank Center for them to shift their focus about Devin. No, look, I mean, this Spurs team is obviously it's it's Wimby mania, but there this Spurs team is so much more than just Victor Wimbyama. And that's kind of what you're seeing is he's you know, this insane talent, obviously, and he's helped elevate the Spurs team, but you've got pieces like Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Zach Collins, who's a wonderful compliment to Wimby in the front court. Chetty Osmond was a sneaky pickup. Trey Jones off the bench. Yeah, like th this, this Spurs team yeah. has a lot of important pieces. The last guy that I want to get your thoughts on really quick though here, Jeff is Jeremy Sohan and this experiment kind of, you know, him <laughs> running the point, playing alongside yeah. Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell. Like, how, how is that going so far? Is this going to be kind of a long-term fixture that you think we're going to see, or is this kind of a, a temporary thing right now that pop is trying. I try not to look like this guy. Whenever I see uh, Sohan with the ball, just upset and angry and ready to go, <laughs> you know, full dark side mode. But I think the spirit the experiment might end sooner than later. 
you look at the plus minus when Trey Jones is on the court. I mean, if they say numbers don't lie, numbers don't lie when Trey Jones is on the court. It was him who steadied the the, the storm versus uh, Houston. Uh, sorry that about that. Uh, and that win, <laughs> and uh, you know, at the uh, the Frost Bank uh, Center, it was him that kept the team at least competitive versus Dallas in the opening night game. I spoke. I've spoken to Trey Jones. Uh, spoke to him after games. He's telling me that you know what's he going to say? You know, he's going to say like, oh, you know, I hate that I'm coming off the bench. No, but he's accepted it. And he's moved forward. I talked to Zach Collins about that uh, Trey Jones off the bench thing. And he says that he likes it, that it's a calming force for the uh, second unit. If they're up, then at least they know they got a guy that can maintain that lead uh, over opposition. Or if they're down, you know, you got a guy that can come in and really calm the, calm the waters down. I think it has to end. I, I, in my opinion, it has to end. You're seeing Sohan, who admittedly is still saying that I'm still learning the position. You have Trey Jones saying it too. Like he goes, I'm seeing Sohan. He's trying to learn it right now. So I think the the rub is the, the Spurs are thin on point guards, like those those calming forces. That's why I was shocked when they let go of campaign. I did not expect that. I thought, yeah, obviously you want campaign, even if you start her off the bench. You know, that's two viable options. To go to, but I see what Pop is doing. He wants that big lineup out there. He wants that defensive mind, that lengthy, you know, play the rim, play the lanes. He wants that unit out there. Uh, and they're all complementary to Wimby. And, you know, you, 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 I think it just has to end. It's Spurs, Spurs fans are like this right now. Spurs fans are fed up. Spurs fans are igniting that red lightsaber and asking, when is this going to end? When is this going to end? The, the pulse of the fan base and that topic, it's irate. There's, I, 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 I don't know. I, I just think that it has to end soon because you're losing these close games. You lost a close game against Dallas. Uh, you possibly, you know, I, I think it was just more Devin Vassell being absent versus Toronto and them just being dumb blowing a 20 anyway now i'm turning into that right now sam you're, you're making me think about that loss there you know what it's, it's all good we're, we're, we'll, we'll call we'll calm it down but hey we, we are you're gonna have us covered so much over at locked on spurs yeah. weather who who's the who's the batman who's the robin between devin Vassell yeah. and victor women yama and how much longer the jeremy sohan at point guard experiment is, is gonna go on for you you, you got can us see it's for... hurting me right now you can feel it you can feel it right now you've got us covered for all of that and so much more over at locked on spurs jeff i appreciate you stopping by locked on nba with me yes sir Coming up, the Golden State Warriors have found a way to win on the road again this season. Plus, what roles are Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody playing for this Warriors team this year? And an interesting stat about the Warriors starting five lineup. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins, and all you have to do is wager $5. It's that simple. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Right now, you can take a look at the outright betting favorites for Super Bowl 58 right now. 
you've got the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 490 to win it all this season. The Eagles right behind them at plus 500. 49ers at plus 600. You got the Ravens at plus 850. And rounding out the top six, you got the Dallas Cowboys at plus 1100 and the Miami Dolphins at plus 1200. So for all of those odds and so much more, be sure to visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started this NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked On NBA on Monday. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we have recovered with a fantastic crew of rotating hosts here at Locked On NBA, including Matt Moore and David Ramil on Tuesdays, John Corrales and Jake Madison on Wednesdays, Nick Angstad and Pat the Designer on Thursdays, and then Wes Goldberg and Adam Marez on Fridays. So joining us now is the host of Locked On Warriors, Cyrus Sotsa. So you can track down wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Warriors. Now, Cyrus, we're going to get into some of this most recent loss by the Golden State Warriors Sunday night against the Cavaliers. But up until that loss, this Warriors team had actually reeled off a bunch of wins on the road, which was something that wasn't possible for this team last season. They were 11-30 and 30 on the road last year. It took them nine games to secure their first road win of the season, which happened about a month into the calendar NBA season last year against my Houston Rockets in Houston, which was painful. But walk me through what has actually changed for this Warriors team this season to where they're able to finally win games on the road again, seemingly. I mean, the the entire bench is what changed. And more specifically, everyone who uh, Kerr is comfortable playing because there are some players that have come back from last year, Kaminga and Moody being two of the big ones, but Kerr did not trust those two players last year. And whatever the reason was for that, it's gone. Because uh, as you know, um, like typically uh, the players that a coach trusts the most will be playing at the end of games. And Kerr is 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 putting all, a lot of faith, if not full faith in Kaminga and Moody um, and Gary Payne II. That's another player who um, I know they didn't have him for most of last year, but it's, it's important to note that Gary Payne II two years ago um, wasn't originally even going to be signed by the Warriors. And he cleared waivers uh, by all 29 other teams before the Warriors had a change of heart and decided to keep him um, and sign him over Avery Bradley. So and so even Gary Payne II is now getting the, the heavier minutes and the, the trust uh, from Kerr. So it, it's night and day. And as I'm sure you heard uh, Draymond Green in his typical unfiltered fashion during a post-game press conference the other day, he um, was not holding back at all and saying there was no joy last year uh, and and how this team has had chemistry for the most part, last year being a huge exception. There was a lot of irony to uh, Draymond, be- Draymond Green being the messenger of those sentiments, considering he was in a lot of ways the catalyst uh, for all the issues and the joy of being there last year. It was a little weird hearing it from him of all people, but um, yeah, it is different. It is very different. And uh, this coming Wednesday, the Warriors and Nuggets are going to play on national television. And that's going to be a huge test to see just how far this Warriors team uh, has come along from a year ago. And look, I mean, they, it hasn't been it hasn't exactly been pretty across some of these wins. They've had some, you know, some nail biters. They've had the the uh, Clay Thompson game winner. They had the Steph Curry game. Win. Like there's been a lot of stuff going on to, to scrape by through some of these wins. Want to get your thoughts on the starting five and kind of their cohesion so far this season. But I know you mentioned Kuminga and Moody there a moment ago. They have the trust of Steve Kerr. Now, what are you seeing out of them as they're entering year three? And, you know, any expected leaps that you want to see out of their game specifically? Yeah, well, real, real quick, just uh, to take a step back, talking about the, how close those games were, because Steph uh, and Clay, the Slash Brothers, both, and I believe it was the first time in history, no one has come out and said otherwise yet, 
that, that two players in back-to-back games hit game winners with two tenths of a second remaining. It's absurd how bizarre and unusual and fascinating that is. But keep in mind, though, these these close games are happening against very good teams. I mean, like literally every team in the West is damn good. Like you, you do not take any team in the West safe for maybe Portland. Even then, I don't know if you would take them for granted. I don't take the, the Houston Rockets for granted. The Western Conference is deep, my man. You know this it's, as well it's as It's a bloodbath out here. It is. So every single one of these games against the West, regardless of the margin of uh, victory, if you win, you you take it, you appreciate it. Um, and I don't think the Warriors win those games last year. But but uh, but going along to, to Kaminga and Moody, there's a lot of growth. Kaminga particularly um, is really important in the sense that this Warriors team is still small. And they got exposed big time by the Cavaliers tonight, whether it's the eye test, whether it's the data um, from the from the box score. Uh, they are not a big team. And so Kaminga's role is vitally important in that sense. He's 6'8". Uh, he's got a solid wingspan. He's put on some muscle uh, from a year ago. And you could tell uh, his maturity and uh, his basketball IQ has grown a lot as well. Um, even though he's still uh, committing turnovers now and again, um, you know, Kerr is saying, has publicly said that Kaminga is actually listening to coaches this year, something he didn't do last year. Um, and and the, the, and the trust is there. Again, you're seeing Kaminga play big minutes at the end of games. And same goes for Moses Moody, a player who at times um, is out there with a, uh, with four other starters, uh, has become a very clutch three-point shooter. Um, the, the, I, Dub Nation is in love with these two kids, and I don't blame them. I, I, they're the future of the Warriors but they're also the present. I mean, they're they're playing significant minutes now, and they're part of the second unit uh, that a lot of people are saying, and at least entering today, we're number one in the NBA in terms of plus-minus. The Warriors bench it has been fantastic, and it's, a lot of it is because of those two young players who are just 21. Like, Kaminga just turned 21, like, a few weeks ago. So they're very young, but they're coming along. Now, the Warriors bench may, may be fantastic currently with Kuminga and Moody coming along and the other bench pieces. You've also obviously got Chris Paul now running in that second unit. The starters have maybe been less than fantastic so far in, in their games played together. Right now, Warriors starting lineup, Cyrus, is clocking it at a minus 14.6 net rating in 52 minutes, sorry, 53 minutes played together. That's not great. Now, it's a small sample size, but that's those are not great numbers. Now, you swap out the starting lineup, you, you substitute Draymond Green for Chris Paul, actually, and then that starting lineup actually has a positive net rating of 10.6 in slightly less amount of time played, but Chris Paul swapped for Draymond Green. So does that match your eye test of kind of what you've seen so far out of the Warriors starters where they've been maybe struggling a little bit this season? Yeah, so 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 when you say starters, you actually listed two lineups there. Like, so so is there two different plus mine? Is there two different net ratings that you're applying to? Because you're right, Draymond missed the first, what, three games? Uh, two or three games, I can't remember now. But um, so the, the Warriors started the season off going very small with Chris Paul as their starting mm -hmm. point guard. Uh, in a backcourt with Steph, or you're, you're you know one six two, one six feet even. Um, so, are you saying that starting five struggled, and then the one with Draymond is doing well? So like, ju like just five five man lineup data. So not specifically, you know, just the the five man group of Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, and Kevon Looney have a yeah. minus fourteen point six net rating, and then that same group, but you substitute Draymond for Chris Paul, they have a plus ten point six net rating. So well, when you take Draymond out, it improves that much. Yep. I, look, I, Draymond. The Warriors need Draymond. I, I would not trust that that uh, specific stat. There was two starters who st who at the beginning of the season were struggling mightily, and that net rating stat you you uh, bring up is 
important it's pertinent in the sense that that five was number one in the nba last year they were better than the nuggets five which was which outside of the warriors starting five led the nba in net rating um but that that same five also did not play together since december uh mostly because of wiggins having a lot of injury issues um but nonetheless maybe maybe it's just a small sample size and that's what's happening well, no, 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 it's actually not. I I, I, I want to lead into this. Andrew Wiggins is struggling this year. Um, to put it in perspective, and this was where, like, first game of the season against the Suns, a game the Warriors lost, it was eye-opening in the sense that Andrew Wiggins did not finish that game. Uh, he wasn't injured. Uh, he was pulled for poor play. And that's crazy if you think about it, because Andrew Wiggins just a year and a half ago, a year and change ago, was the second best player on a Warriors team that won – the world championship and here we are you know 15 16 months later however much time has passed and he's being benched at the end of end of a game for poor play uh and the, and the poor play is on both sides of the court he's sleeping defensively his shot is still not there offensively um uh, steve kerr was asked about it during the post game uh presser tonight after the the cavaliers game just asking about wiggins if he's concerned and uh, you know, Steve Kerr gave, you know, your typical, uh, you know, diplomatic answer saying he's not concerned. But at the same time, he admitted that, yes, Wiggins is off to a slow start. So if you have to point your finger at one specific player, it's Wiggins. And then he's struggling. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's a reason why Kaminga is is getting a lot of run is because Kerr is not happy with Wiggins production. And then um, and then Clay had a slow start to the year until they get that game winner. Um, and look, he's always been a streaky player, but even in, in, in his previous years when he was, uh, in terms of the ebbs and flows, when he was more on the downside, his numbers were still better than they are now. Like, you know, the, he's his numbers have not been great this season as a shooter until he that, that game where he hit the game winner. And whether it was a mental thing, um, you know, in terms of him just kind of getting over the hump, he looks like a player now that resembles the player who is one of the greatest shooters of all time. He's not forcing shots. He's letting the game come to him. Uh, he's back to being a catch and shoot type player. So Clay is turning it around. But again, the season's very small. We're seven games in, but I'd say the first three, four games, Clay was struggling a lot, especially from a, a statistical perspective. Um, he's turned it around, thankfully, for, for the Warriors' sake. But Wiggins is still struggling. And um, even though I don't think anyone's ringing any alarms, that there's no panic button being pressed, uh, it's noticeable that something's going on there. And and maybe it's just a slump, you know, with that we hope that's all it is. Um, he is a player that's pushing 30. He did have some, uh, for the first time in his career, he had injury issues. He's never really missed significant time because of injuries until last season when he had these abductor in- uh, issues. Uh, he also had a weird period where I think he was fighting COVID and the flu, like back to back. So he had a, a run of bad luck there. If anyone's gone through that, I'm sure you understand how brutal that is. Um, but nonetheless, it's it's uh, it's a cause for concern at the moment. Not a not a panicky concern. Like there's no, again no alarms being being uh, rung. But uh, everyone's aware of it, and that's probably what's dipping that number quite a bit. When will Andrew Wiggins ultimately break out of the slump that he's currently in right now? Can the Warriors bench keep up this insane production to start this year? You'll have us covered for all of that and so much more over at Locked On Warriors. Cyrus, thanks for stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Always a pleasure, brother. Thank you. That's going to do it for another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts. <laughs>